What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we are talking about the father of Wicca, Gerald Gardner. Scorpio, I know you have a lot of opinions, so let's just dive right in. Well, before we get to opinions, just a little bit about who he is, in case somebody doesn't know. So he was born in 1884, died in 1964. And yeah, for better or for worse, he's known as the father of modern-day witchcraft. He was part of different uh, secret societies, the Rosicrucians, the um, Freemasons. It was very common in that time period, as we sort of talked about with Crowley, for people to be in secret societies. That was the cool thing to do. Yes, absolutely. He claims to be initiated, to have been initiated in 1939 into the New Forest Coven, which he believed was the, a surviving coven in the same way that Margaret Murray talked about covens that were in witch cults. She called them witch cults. And he felt that New Forest Coven was indeed one of these. However, it was later found that they were formed in the 1930s, pretty much after Margaret Murray's book. There's also been speculation that he wasn't part of New Forest, that New Forest didn't exist, that it was another coven. There's been so much stuff that I don't even know what to believe. So I'm just going to go with New Forest Coven existed. It was in the 30s and he was probably a part of it. I don't know. We have no one to ask. So (laughs) we're kind of stuck with the, the limbo. Yes. But he was definitely influenced by, by Margaret Murray. He wrote, as far as I know, he only wrote three books. At least I only know of three books. The first one is High Magic's Eight, which was fiction. Basically, he had talked to the coven He did not want to reveal their secrets, Mm -hmm. so he wrote about covens, but as a piece of fiction. And it was, this is a a thing that I found interesting while we were looking it up, High Magic's aide was kind of like a ceremonial magician and a, I'm air quoting, witch Mm -hmm. worked together in like the 13th century or some shenanigans. Right. So he was writing a novel about the synthesis of his witchcraft practice by combining a Crowley-esque figure with a Murray-esque figure in this novel. Something like that, yeah, I guess. Reading that, I feel like, would give you the context or, like, the mindset that he was in before he started writing his actual nonfiction books. Which were Witchcraft Today, written in 1954, and The Meaning of Witchcraft, 1959. So and they're pretty old. Yeah, I have, I have both of them. For this podcast, we're going to discuss Witchcraft Today. That's the one that yeah. we looked at or yeah. reread in my case. So I guess we can jump into that unless there's something else that you want to talk about him. I have a weird relationship with Gardner because because of all of my weird relationships, I started witchcraft in the early 2000s. And in the early 2000s, there was this sort of pushback against calling yourself Wiccan if you weren't in a coven. So there was a lot of like, gardener worship almost and that was something that I never resonated with and I was like fine I'm not a Wiccan fine fine. I don't need this that's when I started seeing people use BTW British traditional witchcraft to refer to like gardenerian practices and stuff like that so for me it was sort of like oh well gardener's not gonna matter because I'm not a Wiccan is that the right mindset no there are things that he said that are not terrible They, they were useful and interesting there were also moments reading it where I was like, yeah, this is why I didn't do it in 2005. 
Gardner was almost required reading, just like I had said with the Murray episode. The God of the Witches was required reading, and it was expected you read at least the nonfiction books of Gerald Gardner. Mm-hmm. How did I feel reading it? I, I think I felt a lot of the same things you felt. But I think I just have the mindset of, yeah, next. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank next. you for this. <laughs> Um, I don't really see why how this yeah. is going to apply to me. However, there's got to be something else. I just keep right on going. And, yeah. You know, talking to people and reading other things, and and that's how I how I move. A couple of things about him that I I think we have to say before we even get going is he claimed a lot of things that weren't true. He claimed he was an anthropologist. Nope. He claimed he had a PhD in philosophy and literature. Super nope. Uh, Doreen Valiente, who was one of his people was I think out of the first person or definitely came out and said, yeah, no, this is not him. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, we go forward into this book. How much of it is shenanigans on his part and how much is actual fact? Yeah. I think there was a time when people read his books and not that it was the law, but if he said it, he's the authority. Mm -hmm. He must know. Yeah. I have a problem with any religion that starts out with he is the authority. Right there, you're going to lose me. Yeah. So, fine. Gardner can say whatever he wants, um, but I'm going to say whatever I want. So let's... Uh, let's dive know. right in. Tell me what you want well, to say. Well, a couple of things. First of all, he did become interested in witchcraft. He was interested in the uh, Museum of Magic and Witchcraft and wrote to them, and eventually he wound up being the museum but Mm -hmm. he was very interested so he did go about this in a way that makes sense to me you know i i read about it i want to meet people i want to find witches i want to really know what's going on and then he did his own thing so yeah let's dive in by the way my copy's from magical child publishing which is magical child was a store in new york city and as far as i know the only store that still carries some books by Magical Child Publishing is Otherworldly Waxes and Whatever in Beacon. They don't. Which is a great store. The uh, publishing company isn't. No. It's defunct now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was just interesting when I pulled out the book and I went, oh, wow. This is. This book is kind of old. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and the intro was by Raymond Buckland. Which makes sense. Hopefully people know who he is, but if not, we will be talking about him. He's definitely on our list. And he definitely thanks him in that, which, you know, I thought it was interesting to, to read about that. One, one of the first things off the bat was I noticed in the beginning, and I don't think I noticed this the first time I read it, Gardner states that the word, the pronoun she is used for both male and female witches. And I said, yeah, I'd like to bring that back. Yes. I think everyone should just be she. So he does talk about the fact that in his conversations with witches, they're shy. And they don't want to be out for fear of reprisals. On the one hand, yes, that's totally true. When we're sitting here as proof of... Gemini and Scorpio. Right, not really wanting to be 100% out. But I wonder if he didn't use that also as his way of saying, well, you can't really ask them yourselves and you just have to just trust me. Yeah. What I'm saying, just trust me. It's not like he said, well, I'm talking to them and here's their take, but I've changed their name for, you know... Per- safety purposes it, it's just 
oh, well, they, they're just really shy. They don't want to talk to you. So I'm writing it down. I'm, I'm paraphrasing for them. It's like, right. okay, how much are you making up? And that's one thing that you have to really, when you're reading the book, really think about. Yeah. What did he make up? I like his approach. It's an easy read, yes. this book. But he does a lot of things. He uses rhetorical language. He's definitely trying to employ this idea of this makes sense. Yeah. I am an authority. Listen to me. Mm -hmm. And if you read his books critically, trying to analyze it, then you have a different kind of fun with it. He talks about initiation, which is interesting because he says, and there's a quote, nearly all primitive people had initiation ceremonies. Sure they did. Things like the priesthood, the Rosicrucians, Golden Dawn, ceremonial magic. Yeah. It, I can see these things, like I can see somebody being like, well, yeah, you know, you initiate, you become a, an adult. That's an initiation ceremony. But that's not, that's not the same thing. That's not what we're talking about. Like, lots of cultures had initiation ceremonies into cultural things. And ceremonial magic, I guess, is the closest thing you have to a cultural, like, sort of a religious witchcraft magic thing. So to take a secular initiation and say, well, it's just like what becomes his religious initiation. It's, it's not. They're different. They're different things. And I always had trouble. This is a thing that just never worked for me, is the idea of every Wiccan being their own priest. It wasn't until I got to being a Hellenic that I understood what that meant. So going back and reading it, I, I could see like, oh yeah, the, the priesthood is an initiation. When you initiate into British traditional witchcraft, you become a priest. But when I was growing up, I was like, this: how can everybody be a priest? How can every person be a priest? That doesn't make sense. The point of a priest is an authority. And I think when he uses that tone of like, I'm the authority, I know things. And then you know that Wicca is everybody's a priest. It like it doesn't jive narratively. I see what you're saying. It's sort of like, I get what you're saying, but everyone is their own authority because everyone is their own priest. I think that one of the things with Gardner that always bothered me is this idea when he talks about initiation, and I get it. There was a time when you couldn't trust people. You had to be careful. Mm -hmm. So you wanted to have a coven and you wanted to have them close. And you want to make sure that these people understand the severity of if you open your mouth, what's going to happen to you, whatever. Okay, fine. But this whole idea of saying that, you know, all primitive people did it. Therefore, we have to continue to do this and we have to continue to initiate. What for people who don't want to follow your rules? Yeah. Because going back to what you're saying, this idea of, if everybody is a priest, then why do I need you to initiate me? Why do I need to follow your rules? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that never jived with me when it comes to Gardner. I don't want somebody telling me what to do. Yes. I want to learn from other people. I definitely if, you know, want to see what other people are doing. Does it resonate with me? Can I incorporate it? Is there something that I'm doing that I can share with somebody else? But this idea of saying... Yeah, we're all priests, but there's the high priest, or there's the this, or there's the that, and you got to follow those rules. It's It strikes me very much as, like, the different levels of priesthood in 
the, like the top three religions is how you can have like a regular priest or like a deacon or like a bishop or you know one rabbi is not as high in like understanding of the Torah as another rabbi so that kind of idea versus the way that I always think about being a pagan specifically but a Wiccan in general is sort of like a um, like a convent like all of the nuns working together to understand like the religious text it's just a bunch of people who are each their own authority working together and this isn't that what he's saying is not that and a lot of covens are not that I mean, I like what you just said, but... This is proof that I'm not Wiccan. But when you're talking about covens, yeah, they, there is an authority. There are steps. There are rules. And not everybody's going to know everything. And that's very much ceremonial magic. Mm-hmm. You get initiated into something, you're not going to know all the secrets. They're given to you little by little. And you earn the right mm-hmm. to know the secret by, you know, being into this society for as long as you are and things of that nature. I think covens have changed a lot, but I think that that's still, when you're talking about the older covens, that's the deal. And that's the and that's gardener. gardener setup. I think that's definitely the gardener setup. You know, other things that he says, and this is one of my favorites, is this whole nudity thing. Well, first of all, he was a nudist. Let's just get that off, you know, right off. Before he was a witch, he was a nudist. Then he says, and these are all quotes, right? Supposedly he was asked, why do you say that witches work naked? His answer, because they do. He was asked why. Their ritual tells them they must. Then I think about these poor people in England (laughs) in the middle of winter. Look, I think about myself in the middle of winter. I'm not going anywhere naked. Yeah, no. It's freezing out. Yes. I barely want to be in my house naked, let alone like outside in the cold. In the elements. Yeah. Let's go out. Oh, and in the summer. With the mosquitoes and the ticks, yes. No. Can we please go out naked? No, thanks. That sounds like a great idea. So, you know, to me, this whole nudity thing, and of course he says there were oils. There were special oils to make you warm. Dude, what are these oils? Because it's cold here. Yeah, get at me with a recipe, please. Right, I would love to put these on my hands. No more yes. gloves. You know, that'd be great. Please, thanks. He says that if you're nude, you know, you're raising a power in dance, in chanting. That clothes get in the way and keep your power in. That sure sounds like what a nudist would say. I just, I don't buy it. I just don't buy that at all. But whatever. You know. Um, What else does he talk about? He says that magic is the art of getting results. Which I like that sentence. Yeah. I don't dislike that sentence by any means. I also like looking at the difference in the way that people thought about magic in, like, 1935 versus, I think, the way people think about magic now. Mm -hmm. Because I don't... I feel like we're more skeptical now and yet more magical at the same time. Like, they were very sort of concrete about this idea. Like, yeah, magic does stuff. Magic is going to change the world. Magic is, you, you know, we can watch it visibly affect probability and the way things work and now I think we're all a little bit more we had this conversation in an earlier episode where you were like a friend of mine likes to trip people and I don't know if it actually works right right. but I think we're so much more in touch with the ideas of magic and the concepts of magic and what magic means spiritually or religiously versus 
just sort of treating magic like a tool. It's not just, oh, I'm going to do magic and I'm going to change the outcome and I'm going to get what I want. It's a deeper connection that we have now versus Gardner or Crowley or Murray, who didn't really talk about this that much. Right. She wasn't looking at it from this point of view. Yeah. Here's something interesting. So he's got a chapter called What Are Witches? Chapter 10. And he says, Witches are the Wicca, the wise people, who practice the age-old rites and who have, along with much superstition and herbal knowledge, themselves think to be magic or witchcraft. And I know we answered this in an earlier podcast that somebody asked, why do we use the term witches and not Wicca? And I also think that this is, or he is the reason why we have a problem. Maybe it's not a problem, but the idea of witches as a religion, it's Wicca, Mm -hmm. and witchcraft as secular witches. And I know you and I have had a conversation about it. And I think that as much as I'm not a gardenarian, I think that for a long time, this is how I felt and this is still how I feel to a certain degree. Witches are Wicca, he says. They were the Wicca, the wise people. Now, he doesn't mention, well, he does say it later on, but he doesn't mention it right now, this whole idea that um, they practice, he says they practice the age-old rites, so he does say it. They practice the age-old rites. He is talking about the gods, the goddesses. He's talking about the religion, the whole kit and caboodle. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that that means people cannot study herbs. I think people can study herbs. I think people can study crystals and divination. But then the question comes, are they secular witches because they lit a candle? Now, I do candle work. People have asked me for candles. I carve a candle, I give it to them, they light it. Does that make them witches? Is this a rhetorical question or do you want me to answer it? Answer it. Because I don't think it makes them witches. I don't think so either. I do think it's very interesting that the last part of that sentence basically says that witchcraft and magic are like a self-identifier. Can you, can you read it again sure, for me? Sure. So witches were the Wicca the wise people who practice the age-old rites and who have, along with much superstition and herbal knowledge, themselves think to be magic or witchcraft. Themselves think to be magic or witchcraft. Right. So I think that's kind of the distinction for me is the Wicca is the old rites and themselves think to be magic or witchcraft is like, these are the two things to come together to create a Wiccan the old rites, and the magic or witchcraft. But here's the interesting thing. Witches were the Wicca. So I think the two terms have become one to a lot of people. Yes. Right? And especially, like, in the 2000s, that was... So when you say you're a witch, you're Wiccan. Or when you're Wiccan, you're a witch. But why say witch when it has such a negative connotation, which was something that we answered earlier. And... If you look up which, you'll find a bunch of different definitions now. If you go on Google, mm-hmm. um, different types of witches, Celtic witchcraft versus Hellenic witchcraft. It's all, there is religious practice in it. So when people say, well, there's secular witchcraft. And I think, is there secular witchcraft or are there people who are just interested in 
certain aspects of things that are studied? I have a take on this because I identify as a secular witch. So for me, you know, I think a lot of people get into, and this is me spitballing, so please tell me if I'm crazy. I think a lot of people get into secular witchcraft because they start in sort of the traditional neo-Wiccan way where, like, you pick up a Llewellyn book or, you know, ten years ago you picked up a Silver Ravenwolf book and you read and you learn and you don't resonate with the gods. You're not called by any particular gods. You don't find, you know, a patron. You don't have any of those moments. It doesn't make you incapable of doing the witchcraft. It doesn't mean that you didn't study it in the context of, you know, there are gods in this. But, like, for me, I have that whole background. I, for a year and a half, called myself an eclectic Wiccan because I thought that that was the lingo. But it's it was never for me. Like, when I interacted with my gods and was called by my gods, there was a very specific way they wanted me to worship. And the witch part is separate from that. What I will say is I think, for me, as a secular witch, I am... How do I phrase this? I'm not as powerful of a witch because I'm not connecting the witchcraft with the old rites. Like, what I do is very much self-centered witchcraft. It's very much my own energy work. I think... The, the situation here is not what you do as much as what the definitions are. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is you're a secular witch because your witchcraft is not, is not tied to your practice. And I think that's not the issue. I think the issue is what you're defining as being a witch. In other words, do I consider myself a witch because I can carve a candle and write a spell? Or do I call myself a witch because I worship the old gods? And when you think about it, Hellenismos is considered witchcraft, not because you read cards, right? You can do divination, but because there's a study and a worship of these older gods. So I think it depends. And I think what's happening in society, there's a shift, you know, I'm into herbs. Now I'm a witch, you know, and I think that for other people, it's like, no, my spells don't make me a witch. I'm yeah. a witch because I'm a witch. And then, oh yeah, I do spells because you know what? It's not like you're going to become a witch and you're given a kit and it says, well, here's, here's some candles. I mean, here, you can buy a kit here's online. A, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> here's a tarot deck. Here's, you know, I don't read tarot. I don't. So then I must be a terrible witch. What? Reading tarot and being a witch are two totally different things. I think for me... The word pagan has always meant worshiping the old gods. So all of these religions or practices fall under the umbrella of paganism. Pagans are basically anybody who isn't worshiping the main five religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. So for me, I'm very definitely a pagan. Like, checkmark. I worship the ancient Greek gods in a semi-traditional way. Pagan. Boom. Which for me has always been about having a practice and witchcraft is a practice. It's something that you have to do and study and learn, but I, that's separate from being a pagan. 
And this also comes down to, like, can you be a Christian witch? I think yes. Because if you have a witchcraft practice, if even if you're a Christian, you could do that. So if, if the definition of witch is tied to the old gods, then yeah, you're right. But if I've separated them, it doesn't work. But I think it comes down to what I'm saying. What makes somebody a witch? Practicing magic or the worship of a religion? I think it's the magic. See, and I think it's the religion. See, I would not call myself a witch if I was just doing spells. Anybody, that's, to me, that's ceremonial magic. I think the difference for me is that ceremonial magic requires so many more levels. Ceremonial magic requires, I think, initiation. Requires, not, not a coven, but whatever word they would use for that. Ceremonial magic is the structure. Okay, but then just magic in general. Why can't somebody just practice magic without having any... I don't know. I think that that's... And, and I'm wondering if it's all coming from Gardner. Whether I accept Gardner or not for whatever it is he's done, he was the first person to really write about this stuff. And he took that ceremonial magic idea. And he took that ceremonial... Yeah, ceremonial magic idea. He wedded it to the old gods... And I think for some of us, and I think that that's why sometimes you see issues or arguments on social media, it's a religion. And when you see people running around, you know, with crystals in, a, in their pocket and they're saying, I'm a witch, I'm a witch. And you're like, okay, so I'm worried about losing my job. I'm worried yeah. about people thinking that I worship Satan. And you think it's cute because you've lit a candle and you have some crystals, then now you're a witch. And I think that's where the problem comes in, not from disrespecting people who want to... Anybody can practice magic. That's, that's, I don't think that that's what makes me a witch, personally. Um, but I think that's where a lot of the problems come in. We do have this, for better or for worse, we have this ingrained, this idea yeah. of Wicca witch. And then you have people running around, and to some Wiccans, I know for me, it's like, well, you know... I think it really comes down to the interpretation of this sentence. Yeah. Because if you read it as witch and Wicca are the same word, then yeah, it's about the old gods. It's about the religious aspect. But if you read it as the witches were the Wicca, these witches were this group, they can be separated. And that's, that's always been the thing. I have never been comfortable being a Wiccan because I don't, worship in a Wiccan way. I don't worship Wiccan gods. I don't, that's not what I do. And so for me to have them be separate terms is, I guess it's a, it's a comfort thing. It allows me to feel like I can still be in the space. I can still be on a witch space podcast and talk about being a witch while not being a Wiccan. And that's so funny because to me, you're a witch because you are Hellenic, not because you do the other stuff you do. Like, the other stuff you do is the stuff you do. Being Hellenic is what makes you a witch. To me. Yeah, and it's like the complete opposite for me. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a weird thing. It also comes from... I didn't read Gardner. Hmm. That what... There was a... It was this very forceful thing that was almost shoved down your throat on the internet in 2005. That you are a neo-Wiccan at best. If you are not in a coven, if you are not British traditional Wicca, 
if you don't follow the rules and get initiated, you are not a Wiccan. So how then do you navigate a witch space as a non-Wiccan? I think it depends. Yeah, I think the covens have kept people out for a long time, making other witches feel insignificant, not real witches. You know, it's really interesting because years ago, back in the 90s, I, I don't even remember how I got in touch with this coven. I'm not going to say the name or anything. But I really thought this is the way I need to go to progress. And I had several conversations with some of the members. And the first thing they said to me before I came into a meeting and they were going to talk about possibly initiating me and all this stuff was, you cannot tell anybody that you're a witch. You can't. And at that point, which is funny, I've gone backwards in my life. I've gotten a little bit more conservative in who I tell and what I... I was completely out. Mm -hmm. And I said, I what? And they said, we have kids. We don't want them being made fed up at school and mm -hmm. all this stuff. And I thought, well, first of all, I'm not in the school with your kids to tell anybody what they are. And I said, you know what? I, I'm not interested. And they were shocked. Yeah. I said, I'm not interested in this. Like... I'm already out. Why am I going to put myself back? Right. Like, so, it's so not that, worth it. So that I can learn the secrets of the universe through you. And I also thought this, because it was the 90s, because it's not 1685 anymore, whatever date you want to drum up. Um, we're alive now. We're taking up space now. I kind of want to educate people and let them know yeah. that we're not these horrible things. And now I'm going to join a group of people that are terrified. Yeah. I don't want to join that. That sounds awful to me. And I could have been totally wrong. Maybe I would have learned a lot of things from this group. I have no idea, but I have zero regrets about not joining them. I like this move that I'm seeing in, I like that I keep saying this, in witch spaces where coven is kind of an ambiguous term now because I have these vivid, almost, like kind of painful memories of like, this is the high priestess and this is the high priest and, you know, you have to start at level zero as a seeker for a year and a day and then, you know, then you can become level one and all, like, it's very sort of formal, a lot of pressure that was put on me, this is what you have to do. And now it's like, people are posting on Instagram and you're like, I have no idea if that's, like, a coven that has a high priestess and, like, follows the rules or if that's just a bunch of witches hanging out. And I love that. I love the idea of a coven being a group of people learning together. Like, I... Like us. Yes. Like, what I was saying before, like, like a, a convent. I'm air-quoting a lot of things. It, not all these air-quotes make sense, but a bunch of people reading the text and discussing it and growing together versus a church where somebody gets up and does a sermon and tells you this is the interpretation you should take. It's funny because um, I find sometimes in which space people ask me questions as though I have the answers. Yeah. And it happened not that long ago, two days ago, I was asked about somebody's reading tarot cards now, as you know, uh -huh. and she's asking me all these questions and I answered, but then I said, but what do you feel? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and I think that's kind of funny when and sometimes you do like you look at me and I'm like I don't know everything like why do you keep asking me that you know yeah. uh so I think that it's nice when we can all grow together whether we're in different stages yeah of 
our path or whatever. It's nice to have a group of people. Is that what everybody's doing? I, I think you're right. I think that there are covens that function like ours. And then there are others that are very traditional. Yeah. But it, I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the, the words change. Right. We're seeing witch move away from being synonymous Wicca. with Wicca. We're seeing coven move away from the Gardnerian approach. Right. And I... I like it. I like it. I'm here for it. I am okay if that means that, like, you know, Christian housewives are going to start, like, putting crystals in their pocket. I'm cool with that. I am okay with us becoming a little bit more mainstream if it means that we get to be a community that, like, respects and cares about each other and isn't just trying to hold each other to obscene standards. At the same time, I understand why certain people... You know, you've studied, you you have your heart in this. It's your religion. And I get it why some people might bristle at someone yeah. saying, you know, I'm secular. Like, then you're not a witch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. I see both sides. I don't think there's an answer. I think only time's going to tell how this whole thing evolves. Yeah. But I think that I almost say we have to tread a little lightly because... This is a serious religion. This is yeah. not just something people do for whatever. I thought it was funny when you said the year and a day. That's still a thing that's done, whether you do it through a coven or whether you you find a group of people. There's a lot of... And I actually will be talking about some of the people that do this because there's some great places in the Lower Hudson Valley where you could learn about Wicca. And they have the year and a day thing. It's important. It's weird because I know we're talking about how like everything should be, you know open or whatever but I think when it comes to Wicca the idea of studying with someone or with a group of people and taking that year and a day it changes you when you start to take Wicca I'm just going to talk about Wicca for a second seriously whether you're doing it in a coven well obviously in a coven you're very serious but I'm saying if you're doing it through different witches or witch spaces that offer this idea of studying for a year and a day it's nice to have somebody helping you along and kind of asking the questions you may not ask yourself so that you can get to the next level. So some sort of organization is nice. Have I done something like that? Yes. So do I recommend it? Yeah. I think there's a, more information now that's out there more than ever. Yeah. And while I don't think Gardner's the 100% answer... You know who Gardner is. You know where he came from. You can kind of dissect it. I don't know who half of these people are when you go on on social media or the internet. And you have no idea. And they're just writing all these things. So I think for somebody who's interested in Wicca, yeah. And in the Lower Hudson Valley, I can think of three places that do this. So, and we already mentioned one, Light Club Curiosity Shop does it. Loved it. Was uh, a great place. Otherworldly Waxes does this. Have not been there yet, but super excited. Incredibly knowledgeable people. Love, love them. And Awareness Shop up in New Paltz does it as well. wait to go to Awareness. And they're phenomenal places. I feel like we are so lucky up here in the lower Hudson Valley because there are some fantastic places. Yeah, not so lucky if you don't have a car, not going to lie. Yeah. There's that's... not a lot of public transportation taking you to these places, although you can take a train to Beacon, you can take a bus up to New Paltz. Yeah. But if you've got a car, like, yes. Or a some... friend with a car. Or a friend with a car. There are some really knowledgeable people who are willing to show you, help you, help you grow, that have these things. So this whole year and a day, I, I'm really, I'm for it. What I realized while you were speaking is that this podcast is my year and a day for Wicca. 
Oh my god. <laughs> like, the uh, new moon is Gemini does Wicca stuff. That's true. And the full moon is reading about important people who shaped the face of witchcraft, and the face of witchcraft is it's pretty Wicca. So... <laughs> Which is why we decided to do Gemini does Wicca stuff. This is so exciting all of a sudden. That's kind of funny. It's, it's a year and a day light. Oh yeah, really. it's a year... It's, it's not... This... Is a program that's great for people who don't want to be Wiccan at the end. Right, but do I have a better understanding? Yeah. And I should have a better understanding. This is awesome. This is so exciting. I'm dead. A couple of things, speaking of covens, that really bothered me is this whole idea of you got to have six couples. Six couples and a leader. So there you have the number 13. Okay, that's cool. The whole idea, like, oh, that's where number 13 comes from. But six couples? Like... And they have to be straight couples? Could they not? Could we not, please? No. According to Gardner... I hated it. They couldn't. And I thought, well, I got a problem right there. And I don't remember picking up on that. But I do remember picking up on this whole idea of just couples in general the first time I read it. And I thought, okay, great. So if you're single... You can't. Forget, you're done. Yeah, forget your sexual orientation. It doesn't matter. They don't want you. You are a single entity. You are not complete. Now I understand what he's trying to say. This whole idea of the god, the goddess, the man, the woman. But there is female and male energy within each and every one of us yeah. that we can tap into. So one, why do you need another person? Two, why does that person have to be of the opposite sex? If you do want to be in a couple, like that makes no sense. You can harness. It was the energy. very annoying to be talking about during. Crowley's episode about the idea of like the gods surpassing gender and then to come into this and be like nope you need it's gotta be a man and a woman yeah. man and a woman <laughs> it's like when people are like it's Adam and Eve not Adam and Steve it's like it's irrelevant it does this doesn't matter you don't need to force the gender binary on your religious practice like you can have two gay people they exist they are a couple it doesn't take away from the coven. Or if somebody's you, gender fluid. Like, yeah, like... Who cares? But what I think... But again, I look at the time he was writing. Yeah. And you have to say, okay, 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 I get this. But I still think... I feel like in the wish community, we've always been very open with everything. Really, everybody was... Yeah. Was like this? Everybody accepted this? There yeah. were no covens? I don't buy that. I also feel weird about it being like, you have to do all your stuff nude... With six couples, like, um, no, I feel like I'm intruding at that point. Like, I feel like I don't want to be naked with a bunch of other people in relationships. If I'm there with my partner, raising energy and like getting into, you know, for some, at this point, things that they were calling tantric states, I feel weird about it. I feel weird. Okay, that's not even what I think of, and you can laugh at me, and I wasn't going to mention it. I'm but so I'm, excited. I'm going to say it anyway. So, as somebody who works with people on a daily basis, you know some people aren't as clean as others. Oh, God, yeah. And the first thing I thought of with all these nude people jumping around, I thought someone's going to stink. Yeah. Like, someone's going to have bad B.O. And you're putting on those oils that keep your body oh, warm. No, ew, no, no. no. Ew, that's what I thought of? No. I, I just thought... There's no way, not then, not now. No. I don't care that people are supposedly cleaner now. They're not. They're not. <laughs> I mean, people don't wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. We've seen it uh, daily. So 
I don't know about you, this whole idea of being naked with somebody else, I'd want to know, when to shower? Yeah. Like... It also doesn't add to the vibe at all. Like, there are some beautiful outfits that are, like, you know, a Greek chiton, or chiton, I don't know how to say that word, but it's like C-H-I-T-O-N. It's just like a sheet, basically. But it's this beautiful, flowing, gauzy fabric that just makes you feel ethereal. And I think that that would make me feel more connected to the energy that I'm raising and the magic that I'm doing than walking around naked. I would be distracted. I'd be looking at, you know, who's got a tattoo. That's my favorite pastime is who's got tattoos. I would be looking at, (laughs) I'd be judging people. And I know that that's terrible, but I'm not doing it. No. (laughs) No, I also think that there's something, you know... Let me go back for a second. I think this whole idea of nudity might have been really nice. This whole idea of you want to be closer to nature. This is your natural state. Mm -hmm. Maybe especially back in the day, you didn't have a choice of wardrobe. Yeah. So maybe if you bathed in the river and anointed yourself with stuff, you were coming to the gods or you're coming to this practice as amazing as you can be this is me this is who i am and i'm gonna raise energy and whatnot i think as time has gone on you know i agree i think people would rather wear ceremonial clothes and you do hear about ceremonial clothes and robes and i feel that witches are more comfortable with this idea of i'm gonna wear something amazing i'm gonna wear something that connects to the season that connects to the gods but we also have the luxury of saying yeah i can buy this outfit that i'm only going to wear once i'm only going to wear this outfit for astara and that's cool and it maybe it cost me so much money who yeah. cares right um but i i think that could be it as far as the winter i don't buy it at all yeah, i don't buy these people running around naked that's gardener the end another thing that got me that i thought was really interesting he says that a lot of times, a lot of ingredients might have come from the East, like in medieval times, but that the strongest ingredients when it comes to doing a spell or something like that were local, local mm-hmm. grown. And I thought, can we take that a step further? I mean, we talk about it now. Eat what's in, in season, yes. right? It's healthier. It's better for you, right? We want things that are local. Does that mean you can't eat other things? No, you can import it, but the energy, the nutrients, everything is better if you eat it in season and it's in local. Can we take that a step further and say... What's local culture as well? Yes. You know, when we're talking about Wicca or any practice, and a lot of people, not a lot of people, but some people feel you can't do that. Why can't you include, this is my culture, the culture I was born into. We have certain things that we can do. Incorporating that into your practice, wouldn't that make your practice stronger instead of weaker? Yeah. And I think that I've been told by some Wiccans, no, you can't do that. You cannot incorporate And I think that that's bogus. I think you can. When you're coming to it from a natural place, I don't mean appropriating somebody else's culture and saying, I'm going to do that. Although you kind of, you could do that too, you know, if somebody teaches you something. But I just think about things that, you know, might have been little superstitions in your family or whatever. Things that you know you didn't. You're like, okay, this comes from something. And you might use that in your practice. I don't know. That is actually... I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it a movement, but it's a thing that I see in Hellenismos is aspects of the gods in the land that you're living in now. So I remember reading about like Aphrodite of the Chesapeake and how you can find evidence of Aphrodite in Chesapeake Bay and where her feet have touched and, you know, (laughs) Hera of pineapples in Florida. 
the idea that pineapples are the crown jewel of Florida and Hera is the crown jewel of the gods, that, for me, has always been a super interesting thing. I always think of, like, Hermes of traffic lights. Because there's so many traffic lights on the way to my job, and I see him there. That's, that's where I interact with Hermes. So I, as a Hellenic, am a big fan of your gods in the place that you worship, your culture becoming a part of your practice, because the point of religion for me is to be connected in, you know, connected capital C in all of the various ways. But part of that is, you know, putting your bare feet on the soil and being like, hey, let's talk. Okay, so takeaways. He was a nudist. Yeah. So therefore he put nudism in rituals. Coincidence? I think not. Two, he lied a lot. How much of what he claims is traditional actually is. And that's something that as Wiccans, we should think about if we think about anything in our practice, because so much came from Gardner, whether we're Gardnerian or not, we are kind of Gardnerian. And without Murray and Crowley, would we have Gardner? In other words, if you just read about Murray and never knew about Crowley, how much of these rules that we have would we still have? Yeah. And lastly, Wicca. How do we know it's not that old? Where does that leave us? So if he made up so much of what it is to be Wiccan in 1950, where did I say that was? In the 1950s. In 1954. If he came out with Wishcraft Today 1954 and he made up a lot of it, where does that leave us as Wiccans? And I don't think it makes us less Wiccan. I don't think that we're not witches because Gardner made a lot of stuff up. But I think it comes back down to questioning and being open to other things, being open to doing, you know, changing, not changing your religion, being open to a more local culture, your culture, incorporating that into your practice, not being closed off as Wiccans because somebody else practices something different. At the end of the day, we're not really sure how old this is, what exactly the practice was. We can only truly say Wicca started in 1954. Yeah, Wicca started in 1954. We can, is it, are there older aspects of it? It's possible, but we can't prove anything but 1954. Right. And even then. We can sort of it's wishy-washy on the proof. Well, but yeah, and even then, where did he get a lot of his ideas from? Yeah. Is this stuff that he really researched? We're not really sure. Does it make our practice weaker? But I think that what it should do is make us become more open as witches. Absolutely. Those are our takeaways for Gerald Gardner, father of Wicca. Thanks so much for listening to us. We would love to hear your feedback. Comment basically anywhere. We'll be keeping an eye out. We wanted to say a big thank you to Sean McShane for his intro music. Thank you so much. And we'll be tagging him on our Instagram posts in case you want to see what he's working on right now. Our next full moon podcast will be Doreen Valiente. Again, thanks so much for listening. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us.